All right, good morning. It's good to have the crew back. So if you are part of the uh, Cornrow crew this morning, come on up. The uh, Jamaica team, come on up. This morning you're going you're gonna to get to hear a little bit in their own words about uh, their mission trip. Uh, this past week in Montego Bay, Jamaica, we are missing one of the team. Mr. Radley, who still has uh, family in Montego Bay, is uh, staying a couple extra days with his parents there. So he's not back. But um, that's fine. We're going to hear enough, enough from these folks. And you're just going to share that microphone. There we go. Let me make sure we got you on here. On, on. There we go. You hold this. All right, you ready? This is my mom, everybody. Everybody say hi, Daryl's mom. <laughs> I'm just kidding. All right, I've got my handy-dandy Regis film and list of questions here. We're going to just do a little, little interview this morning. And then uh, I've got a couple announcements at the end. But I, I, I always want you to hear from those who have gone. And many of you sent these uh, financially. You helped them to go. Uh, we had a couple different fundraising events. And so uh, I want you to hear from them. And we'll just bump the uh, new sermon series for the summer one more week. I promise next week we're going to get to it. But I know you wanted to hear from them. So, uh, Mom, let's start out with you since you have the microphone. Why don't you uh, tell us about <laughs> tell us a little bit about uh, the school in uh in Montego Bay, tell us the name of the school. You're wearing the, wearing the shirt from the school there. Tell us the name of the school. And, and the reason I'm going to ask you this question is, for those of you who don't know, my mom just uh, retired from the Florida School for the Deaf and Blind. And she was recruited specifically for this trip because the school they went to work with in Jamaica was the Caribbean Christian School for the Deaf in Montego Bay. And so they essentially were working with uh, with deaf children and uh, and the teachers there and the whole whole school and program there. So she has a little bit of a unique perspective. 30 years working at the Florida School for the Deaf and Blind, she sees how this school system works. She's seen these kids here in America do this. And actually at the Florida School for the Deaf and Blind, they come from all over the world. But mom, tell us a little bit about how how the uh, Christian, uh, the Caribbean Christian Center for the Deaf in Montego Bay, Jamaica compares. Is it is it similar, different? Uh, Just tell us a little bit about the school so that they have an idea a a little bit about uh, the students and, and such. Number of students, etc. Okay, would you hold this? Hold this oh, yeah. for me for yes, a minute. Yes, I will. That's a new form of tongues. We're need a translator. Okay, I'm messing with you. <laughs> She's her own interpreter. <laughs> I have to okay, tell you myself. Uh, in comparison, they're doing the best they can. Um, they have academics. And soccer seemed to be the biggest sport that I saw going on. Um, The girls didn't seem to have anything to do. There was a class for cosmetology. And uh, I think they were going at a slower pace than what the school in the States was going. Um, There were a lot of students that were 15 and 16 years old in fifth grade. Um, and that would have to do with when they entered the program. There was some little four-year-olds there, and uh, they lived there the whole week. Some of them just stay there until uh, it's time to go home in the summer. They close the school totally in the summertime, so they have to find a house or home or a family that will take in some of the children that don't have a family. Um, some of the kids were from Canada. Some were from uh, had relatives here in America. So I really don't understand why they were in Jamaica. But um, 
they're doing their best. Um, How many students would you say? There are 70 students. And, uh, there are 50 at that, 54. Yeah, they have other campuses in uh, in Jamaica on other parts of the island. Okay. Right. And right. age at, at the campus you were at, age wise, four year old, youngest yeah, to four to about twenty, about 20. Mm-hmm. and then, yeah. then they leave and go wherever it is they can. Right. So. Uh, and so they stay there. They, they house them throughout the week, and then if their parents will come and get them, uh, they get to go home on the weekends. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. sometimes, and this is just like uh, having grown up with my mom working at the Florida School for the Deaf and Blind. Uh, it's a similar situation. Sometimes mom and dads don't don't want to pick their kids up on the weekend, uh, especially children with more severe disabilities. Uh, they they really just don't know how to handle them. And so some kids, uh, they get donated to the school, if you will. Correct. And, and actually, um, there was a few students, they physically had to pick up and put in the parents' cars because they didn't want to go home. They wanted to stay at the school where there were people that can communicate with them because once they go home, there's no one to talk to them. Yeah. No one can sign. Yeah. Pass it down to Rusty here. Rusty, what do you uh, explain for us the typical day this past week with you guys working at the school? You stayed uh, at the school overnight. They housed you there in some dormitories. Uh, air conditioning, right? Running hot water? <laughs> if you call a couple fans air conditioning. Yes, that is. Uh, yeah, so we had circulating air, but it was circulating right. hot air. Yeah. So give us, give us the typical day. What was your schedule for the day for the most part? All right. Well, we'd wake up. Um, what time did we wake up? Yeah, about 5.30, because the reason is it gets pretty hot, so we try to get our work done by, you know, 1, 2 o'clock. That way we could, you know, sit around in the afternoon. But, um, so we'd wake up early, go, um, usually Radley ran down there and cooked breakfast, but I know Robin did it a few days. Um, we'd eat breakfast as a group, and then we would go to work. Um, the what way what kind they, of work were you doing? The way that they, I was about to explain it. Go ahead. The way that they do their buildings there is mostly concrete because of the... Um, the weather that they have there. So um, they already had the building constructed, um, and they ran all the wiring. Well, the wiring doesn't go through walls there because it's concrete, so it goes to the floor. So what they do is they pour one floor, do the wiring laying on the floor, and then they pour about two inches of concrete on top of the wires and the piping. So the job for most of the team this week was to mix up the concrete, wheelbarrow it about 100 yards, and then dump it, and then go back up the hill, get the concrete and bring it down. And then um, the ladies, they were mixing the concrete for the men as they hauled it down, which was mostly Radley and Preston. Um, they found out that I had a background in woodworking, so they stuck me in the main office building bookcases and stuff, So, um, which was different because didn't have all the you know nice tools that you have back here in the States. It was a skill saw and a chisel. So, you know, got a couple of bookcases done um, during the week. And then... In the evenings, I would try to sneak out and go help them with the concrete when possible and then help float off the concrete. But once we finished that, we would, um, you know, stop for lunch. If we needed to keep working, we'd keep working a little bit after lunch, um, go back, you know, shower off and all that, get kind of the stink off of us. And um, three of the days, which was Sunday, Tuesday, and Thursday, we went to church. So um, we were getting ready for church that evening. Um, we would play with the kids for a little while between that time, but the days that we didn't go to church, we would spend the evening um, hanging out with the kids, playing games, um, soccer. We did balloon animals one day with them, um, just things like that. And then in the evenings, you know, supper, uh, we'd usually try to do something with our missionary that we were working with, and then, um, you know, 
kind of relax on the porch, talk about the day, um, just kind of unwind, and then go to sleep. Right. Pass it down to Robin. Robin, uh, Rusty mentioned there, in the evenings, after you finished up your work and then you did uh, some Bible study with the kids and things like that, you guys, a few days of the week, you went to uh, church. And uh, the church she's talking about is Emmanuel Church. This is Radley's home church. And uh, when Radley and I were there, uh, I preached throughout the week. Uh, this week, Preston got to preach, and they, they, uh, you guys got to experience worship there in Jamaica. Tell us about, uh, Robin, tell us about worshiping there in Emmanuel Church. Um, I guess one of the, the main things that struck me was the, the sincerity and just the, the genuineness of the, of the people that we met while we were there. And, I mean, just kind of walking into church this morning in this big, beautiful, air-conditioned building and going to church there, but they didn't let that hold them back. I mean, they were, as worship started, um, and the, you know, the instruments and um, the sound wasn't <laughs> ideal. I mean, it didn't matter, though. I mean... Yeah. They just wanted to worship God, and that was their their mindset the entire time. It was just yeah. it was it was all about worshiping God, and He was the only thing that mattered um, yeah. during that service. Yeah, and we were singing earlier. I don't remember the title of the song, but there's a line that says, "We join our voice with distant yeah. shores." Yeah, uh, I can imagine that each one of you were, uh, were thinking bet, back yeah. to last Sunday morning with uh, Emmanuel Church there in Jamaica. Yeah. I remember when I came back the first Sunday back uh, in church, we were still meeting in the school. And I had the same thoughts, Robin, uh, being in their church, uh, no air conditioning, open windows, et cetera, um, hot, uh, church probably lasts, what, two, two hours at least, yeah, and then if you went to the breaking of the bread before that, it was about three hours, Radley didn't, Radley didn't take them to that, uh, Tracy, but uh, it, it didn't matter, and the hearts of the people were, were so in love with the Lord that uh, nothing was going to keep them from being at church. And this was a Tuesday night, a Thursday night, et cetera. These were extra nights, if you will. It was, it was rather funny. On the second night, Preston had to compete with Bob Marley and some other. Yeah. There was like a, a club or so loud. Parties going around. We're like in the middle of just a wild neighborhood. Yeah. And uh, there was a some sort of hoot nanny going on around. And yeah. so... I don't think they call I it a hootenanny. I don't know nanny, a, a Jamaican version a Jamaican of a hootenanny. And, uh, <laughs> and, and Preston was competing with Bob Marley the yeah. whole time. But it was, it was, it was awesome. And yeah. I just quickly just wanted to say thank you for those who have been supporting us through your prayers. And financially, I mean, you guys were there with us. And um, yeah. you, it wouldn't have been possible for us to go. And it was just unforgettable. Yeah, good. Send it back down to Cassie. Cassie, you, uh, you're the youngest on the team. Was this your first time out of the country? Uh, for a mission trip? Yes. Yes. Was it your first time out of the country at all? You've been, have you been out of the country before? Yes. Yeah? Where, where else have you been? Bahamas. Bahamas. All right. So a similar, similar culture. Good. Yeah, similar culture. All right. Uh, what, was, what was the most difficult point of adaptation for you for the week? What was the most, most difficult change for you? The cold water. Cold water, yeah. No hot water in the showers? No. Yeah. How about the food? Were you able to adapt pretty quickly? It was quickly? different. It was, it was different. Yeah? Okay. I tried stuff for Radley, you know, like the festival and the drinks and the chicken. I tried. Harry Pork. Harry Pork. That was actually goat. He didn't tell you it was, he told you it was chicken, but it was goat, so. 
Regardless, he ate it, yeah, so it okay. didn't matter. Yeah. Well, one afternoon, Cassie, at the school, you, you got the chance to, uh, to share your testimony, right? Yeah. So t- tell us, uh, was this the first time you shared your testimony with a group? With a big group, yes. Yeah, with a big group. And there was probably 50, 60 kids there? Yeah. Okay. All right, so how did this come about? What, what happened that, uh, that you got an opportunity to share your testimony? Well, we got to pray for 30 minutes every day, and I wanted to share it. And um, the principal talked to us the night before, and she, I was praying about it, and I just said, let there be a key word that, you know, if she says something or if someone says something, it's your sign to give your testimony. And so did you have the word, like she said, she, like she nanny, said then you knew? Yeah. Okay. It was clear. Okay. So yeah. I was going to do it to a few kids. You know, I was going to ask her about the kids and, you know, call them to side. But she was just like, hallelujah, you're going to do it to all of them. So. Okay. So was that, that a little morning. bit of a shock to you? Yeah. 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 So I just got up in front of the teachers and the kids, all yeah. of them. Shared. Yeah. Cool. Well, I heard good, I heard good things for that. What did that, uh, did that do anything for you, just sharing that? Yeah, um, a few of the kids came up to me and were like, you know, that's awesome because that's happened to me. Hmm. And that's what I wanted to share with them hmm. because I wanted to give them light to know that what my life's like now and what it was like then yeah. and how it's changed for the better. Yeah, that so good. it was awesome. That's good. Rusty, you've been on, uh, you've been on other mission trips to other countries and, and, and some perhaps more uh, – uh, more, I don't know if difficult is the right word, but maybe perhaps more third world. Uh, if, um, if someone were considering a trip, how, how difficult a place or a destination uh, on maybe a scale of 1 to 10 in comparison to other mission trips you've been on? Where does Jamaica and, and the trip you guys took, uh, is, it, is it sort of a, uh, uh, on the easier end of a trip? You know, when you, you think about um, going on mission trips, or was it sort of a moderate trip? or? Uh, <clears throat> I would say definitely for somebody that was the first time, you know, going out of the country sort of trip, it's a very good trip. Um, as far as they're very accommodating to Americans there, um, especially there's really no language barrier. I know there's – what's the other language that they use? Patois. Is that it? Patois. Patois. So that's more of not used as common, but everybody speaks English there. So any store you go into, you're going to be able to speak to somebody in English. Um Except for the fact of working with the students that are deaf, you could go the whole time without having an interpreter. Mm. So that made it a lot easier, um, you know, speaking with people that, you know, children weren't deaf. deaf. But um, even if you wanted to speak to the kids aside from having an interpreter with you, you were able to write stuff down on a sheet of paper and they could write with you and you could communicate through that. So um, definitely I wouldn't say an easy trip because it was hot and, you know, we had to work in the mornings really hard and then, um, the traffic and the roads um, were pretty difficult as far as um, bad. We had one, you know, pretty severe rainstorm, and it just kind of washes the roads out. We had a um, load of um, gravel delivered to us, and it was a, a tandem axle dump truck, which can only hold 20,000 tons or something like that. But essentially it was way overpacked, and that's sort of what they do so they don't have to make multiple trips. So it causes a lot of potholes in the road, breaks up the road a lot. So... If you're trying to get somewhere in a hurry or something like that, you're usually bouncing around flying, hitting your head up against the window. But other than that, it's a, a really good trip for somebody that it's the first time, and especially somebody who's been multiple times like myself. Um, it's good to go and be able to relax and you know not have the, the worries or the stress of going to a place where 
you know, there's fear for your life or something like that because you're in a very safe area, um, fenced in, um, great place, place to sleep. You know, I kind of complained about the circulating heat, but in the evening, um, when we first got there, you know, me and Preston jumped in a room in the front of the building and Radley went to the back. So we figured he kind of knew what he was doing, um, which one, it had a prettier view, but two, it had the breeze from the bay blowing in to the windows. So all night long, I think one night we even got kind of cold from the breeze that was coming in. So, um, yeah, I would have to say that's definitely for a first time trip or even somebody who has gone multiple times. It's a, not a simple trip, but it's definitely one that I wouldn't shy away from. Is it a bonus having uh, Radley there, being that he's a, a local? Yeah, yeah, except the only thing that was probably negative is he was a lot more laid back than all of us as far as we all wanted to know what was coming up, what was going to happen next, and kind of the Jamaican motto is relax. Yeah. So anytime we'd ask, it'd be relax, Yeah. relax. So, all right. you know, we didn't know where we were going from one day to the next. Handing down to Preston there. Preston, you and, uh, you and Rusty had a couple opportunities to share the gospel uh, in different occasions. Talk about the differences or uh, maybe the similarities of not only uh, sharing the gospel, but the receptiveness to the gospel and maybe some of the, uh, um, some of the false beliefs or assumptions to the gospel, etc. Okay. Well, first of all, the, the greater advantage... A greater advantage to us than Radley was Karen. Hmm. She was our greatest advantage. She's fluent. So where we were, she was our greatest advantage. When we were off campus, then, of course, Radley was our greatest advantage. So we really had, we, we had it made. If you guys go again, make sure Radley and Karen are with you. <laughs> I'm kidding. They don't have to come, but, man, they made it a lot easier. Um, sharing the gospel. Um, the, we, we arrived there Saturday. And Sunday we had service, church service, and then we uh, we went to the beach after. It was kind of one of two opportunities we had to go to the beach. So after church on Sunday, we went to the beach, and uh, and uh, I was just looking for somebody. Because I, I knew I wouldn't be able to communicate the gospel on my own to the kids. I, d- I don't know how to sign. So before we even took the trip, I was praying, Lord, give me some opportunities you know, to hit some people over the head with the gospel while I'm just walking around on the street. So... Um, we, they have these big tube things out in the, kind of out in the, the, the water a little ways. And there's a couple of guys on there. We swam out there and I, I shared the gospel with two guys out there and, uh, one stayed, I probably spoke with him, what, 45 minutes, maybe I was out there speaking with him and it was like a monsoon came in while we were out there, but he just stayed out there with me. It was just the, the two of us. And then, and then, uh, Rusty and the, the other missionary Warren came out, um, as well. But, um, my experience is. Uh, well, we had I had two others. I, Karen, uh, she translated for me, um, did an awesome job. Uh, I'll let her tell you about that. And then uh, and then the last Sunday or the last time I spoke on Thursday at the church, I actually got to share the gospel with a woman who heard me preach um, who wasn't saved. And she said I scared her. So, hmm. in fact, I caught I caught her eye and she's just looking at me going. I could tell she said that scared me. So I made immediately I made a beeline to her and I spoke with her maybe a half hour. Um, but here's the thing that some of the misconceptions are baptism was baptism was really wrapped up in, in, in the act of salvation for some, especially the fellow, one of the fellows I talked to on Sunday afternoon. Um, but I'll say this. There there was a there was a light that would go on when you told them, you know, that 
that, that salvation is, is an act of God. Only God can make someone's heart new. Only, you can only be born again by God. A man cannot be born again on his own. That's only by the power of God. And I think some of those illustrations help them. I use an illustration of a courtroom um, of having to pay for your crimes. And these guys were understanding the concepts, and they weren't offended. In fact, uh, Kevin, the guy with the dreads, the, the guy I was talking to on Sunday uh, for a long time, he was so receptive. It was, uh, I've, I've, honestly, I've, no, I've only had that maybe once or twice in the States where he just was like, I really appreciate you sharing what you're sharing with me. Mm-hmm. He said that, he said that, if you believe what you're telling me and didn't tell me, I would wonder about you. You know, how can you believe there's only one way to heaven and not tell anybody? You know, so um, I I think I think that man and the woman that I spoke to on Thursday evening, I I think uh, there's a real chance that that the spirit is still drawing them and uh, Hmm. and and may save them. That's what my prayer is. Yeah, there's lots I could say about it, but that's kind of my overall my overall um, experiences were the receptivity was was sincere, like Robin said. There was a, a sincerity in the conversation. They weren't, they weren't offended. They weren't like trying to give me answers that they thought I wanted to hear. Mm-hmm. They were telling me the truth, um, and they weren't embarrassed by it either. If they disagreed with me, they disagreed with me, you know. Yeah. And that made the conversation, uh, I think, truer mm-hmm. in that sense. A little bit refreshing to share the gospel yeah. in a context like that. Yeah. When uh, you seem like you're butting heads. Uh, or banging your head against a wall here in America sometimes. Pass it on back down here. Mom, you, uh, you had the opportunity to share the gospel with uh, one of the deaf students after, uh, after the Bible study that, that you translated for Preston, right? Tell us about that. What happened? Um, Preston did a great job, and, and he kept going on the points that he was trying to make, that it's more than just loving Jesus, that you have to realize that Jesus died for us, and that's why we have the opportunity to be saved and go to heaven. It wasn't just about loving him. Mm-hmm. And um, this young man came up to me. He's about six foot tall, mm-hmm. and uh, he said he wanted to talk to me. We sat down, and um, he had told me that he'd seen a celebration with his family of a baptism, and everything was so wonderful, and he wanted to know about Jesus. And uh, so I talked with him for probably 15 minutes. Mm-hmm around about that and uh he wanted to know more and more and tell me more about jesus and um how can i have jesus in my heart and uh, so i reiterated what preston had been talking about he said i understand i understand and um so then he he did the salvation prayer and he hugged me for about 15 minutes, and then I introduced him to Preston, and he hugged Preston for 15 minutes, and he did not want to let go. I mean, he was so happy at what he did. And then later on during the week, he chased me down some more and wanted to know more about our Jesus, and um, that was awesome. But what was a very, to me, that was very rewarding to minister to him but what it also did was it confirmed to me a direction that I have been trying to figure out for myself, whether it was in the in with deaf ministry or if it was in um, just as Preston put it, collecting seashells on the shore uh, of St. Augustine, and um, it's definitely I've got my answer from this mission trip and. You need to try it. 
Cassie, uh, on that note, there are, there are those who, um, who always say, you know, when we're planning a mission trip or when you approach them about going on a mission trip, there always seems to be someone who says, uh, aren't there plenty of people here in the United States for us to share the gospel with and to minister with or to serve, etc.? Why do we have to go to another country? What, what, what would you say to that after just coming back? Or actually, any of you, really? Anybody? Cassie, was it was it a benefit to you to do it in another country, though? I mean, did you learn things from from not just you know? Of course, we could do it here. Did you learn some things you think that you wouldn't have learned just doing it here by going and doing it somewhere else? I think over there that well, especially in the deaf in the deaf school, they I learned that they only learn what you tell them. So the obvious when you hear from other people's conversations, like how Jesus was resurrected or that doing good deeds because they told the kids that, you know, they would save them and tell them to do good things, but good things don't get you to heaven. And they would tell them that. And they just didn't think of the obvious things that you have to tell the kids because they can't hear. So I think that going over there was very beneficial because we got to go from a different perspective from these two and you know tell them the obvious things mm-hmm. and one kid got saved so yeah. i think it was worth it to go over there yeah and there's some biblical precedents right for actually not just staying home and sharing the gospel i mean there's some i think there's got to be some reasons why god would say yeah of course there are people here who need to hear it but don't stop here go go take another step and then a step further than that uh, and a step further um to all of you whoever whoever feels like answering this trip uh, although we did some fundraising and we minimized some costs for you, et cetera, the, the, the trip cost you some money. The trip cost you some time off, perhaps, and, and it cost you a little chunk of money, seven, dollars $800, perhaps. Looking back, uh, was it worth it? And, and why would you say it's worth it? Anybody? Well, I became renewed. You know, when you were first saved and that excitement and that thrill that you have, um, that you just want to run out there and tell everybody about Jesus and you can't hold it back. Hmm. Then I kind of, you know, kind of got mellowed about it. And, yeah, I'll tell people about Jesus, and that's fine. And, you know, they just kind of calm, and I'm happy with the situation. Hmm. And going, and I've been praying about it, and where did that go? Where did that excitement go? And so going to Jamaica, I have got it back. So look out, world. (laughs) Here we come. (laughs) Uh, Do you as a team, uh, Robin or Rusty, do you as a team have uh, a sense of maybe shared value or, uh, you know, this bond in relation to your team that you think going through this gave you that uh, you wouldn't have had before? (laughs) I I mean, definitely. I I think the first couple of days, and and Karen had mentioned, and one of the things that we did towards the end of the trip, our kind of our guide, Warren, he told us to go over our our highs and lows of of the trip up to that point. And, um, you know, the beginning of the trip, we were all just sort of still feeling each other out. And and Karen had mentioned that, which broke my heart because I, but anyway, um, that she didn't feel like she quite belonged. And I can understand that because we all kind of already sort of knew each other. But, um, but towards the end of the trip, she felt like she really 
connected and, and felt a part of the family. And that's kind of how I felt with all of us. And, and I just, um, just experiencing it together, yeah, totally. But I, I so encourage anybody, you know, if we do get to do this, Lord willing, next year, I mean, um, just, just the, the experience of it all and, and having not just individually but, you know, as a group to be able to do that, um, I'll never forget it. Yeah. yeah. In a word, each of you, uh, if you had to just give me a word of what, what you got or what God taught you this past week, what word would you maybe use? I know I'm kind of throwing this one at you. That's an oddball question. You got a better one over there, Mark Griffin? That's all, that's all I that got. That is terrible. My last no wonder one. you don't have your own show. It's the last one on the list. He just doesn't have an answer. Well, that's true. Quickly. Absolutely. So he's stalling. I, no, stalling. I have no answer. The lights are getting hot. Just give me a word. What, what did any of you? Anybody got a word? What, what, what'd you come away with? Uh, humbleness. Yeah, you know, like, yeah, good. Yeah. Patience. <laughs> you can there's just too many. There's too, there are too many. I'm overwhelmed with the. Um, it was just amazing, nice. unforgettable. I still don't have an answer. Okay. <laughs> Heartfelt. Well, uh, let's pray. Let's pray for the uh, Caribbean Center for the Deaf, uh, Christian Center for the Deaf, because this is a this is a Christian school, and they're very happy for us to come and work with them, uh, proclaiming uh, the gospel of grace in that school to those kids. So, uh, let's pray for them, and we'll uh, we'll wrap up this morning. Father, uh, I thank you for this team, uh, Lord. Obviously, uh, from from the week they've spent. Uh, there are some great benefits to those kids and great benefit uh, to the school itself. Uh, Lord, they were a benefit to the field. They were a benefit to the mission field. But, Lord, we know, and, Lord, I knew uh, sending out this team that there is benefit to these individuals, there was benefit to this group, and there is benefit to our church. Lord, there's benefit to Jefferson and the kingdom and, and the body of Christ here that calls Cornerstone home. There's benefit. Lord, you you call us to go outside of our comfort zones for a reason. Uh, you call us to stretch ourselves for a reason. You call us to care for, for others in this world, not just in our towns, in our neighborhoods, for a reason. Lord, there's so much for us to learn and be taught and to be stretched by going. So, Lord, would you, would you challenge more of us to be willing to go? Lord, I dare say that none of these who went expected to get as much as they got from going, but they, they got more. They come back humbled. They come back amazed. They come back with broken and encouraged and challenged hearts. Lord, and all that on top of the fact that the gospel was proclaimed, young man was saved, Many heard truth that they maybe found to be cloudy up until these six came and brought it with clarity. So, Lord, would you bless them for going and would you, would you be with those who are still absorbing the truth from Emmanuel Church to the, to the Caribbean uh, Christian Center for the Deaf? Would you, would you be with those who are, 
who were touched. And would you help that that message, uh, Lord, my prayer is that they wouldn't be able to sleep until they deal with you. Until they deal with the truth that is the grace of your son who went to the cross willingly, humbled himself to pay a debt we, could, we couldn't come close to paying. And Lord, certainly there are those here who need that truth. Lord, I pray that those even here in this midst would be challenged by the heart of these who went simply because that truth needed to be proclaimed to the uttermost parts of the world. Lord, might those who sit here today say, do I believe, do I believe that this Jesus wasn't simply a a good teacher and a good moral man, but he was the son of he was the son of the living God. He was God himself who died on the cross not because he wanted to be an example of humility alone, but because we had a debt of sin that we could not remedy. He came to be a remedy. Lord, if if, if those who are sitting here don't understand that, would they would they do something with it? May they not be able to sleep this evening until they do something with that that truth. And as that man in Jamaica so, so acutely noted, if that is true, Lord, if that is true, the most loving thing we can do is be to tell that truth, both here and abroad. Lord, would you do more than we can imagine with, with those seven days? Would you do more than we can imagine? In Christ's beautiful name, amen. You guys can have a seat. Wes, yes. You got something? Yeah, go. Okay, so there are 40-something percent of the kids right now that are supported fully. And it costs either, every month it's $250, or you can pay $25. They're cutting the teacher's cost already, and there are only two teachers that have a college education. Mm. And... um, they just, they're already cutting, and they don't know if they're going to be able to make it next year. And I know these kids just have such a heart for the school. Mm. So if there's any way any of you guys can support the kids, just talk to one of us, and we'll give you the information. Yeah. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Yeah, I'll take yeah. Next week, we start a, uh, our new series. You guys can leave these. They're fine. We start our new series, and uh, if you want a title, it is a biblical, a biblical view of manhood, womanhood, and marriage. God's opinion, not ours. God's opinion, not ours. Let me read you something I got by email this week. I don't know if you know this, but um, the month of June has been declared uh, a special month been declared a special month. Let me read you a quote from uh, President Obama. The LGBT rights movement has achieved great progress, but there is more work to do, President Obama proclaimed. During LGBT Pride Month, I call upon the LGBT community the Congress, and the American people to work together to promote equal rights for all, regardless, regardless of sexual orientation or gender identity. 
Now, therefore, I, Barack Obama, President of the United States of America, by virtue of the authority vested in me by the Constitution and laws of the United States, do hereby proclaim June 2009 as, and let me tell you what LGBT is, June 2009 as Lesbian, Gay, Bisexual, and Transgender Pride Month. Why do we need to go into this next series? Um, there is much, much confusion. Some of you know that I teach a sex ed class in high schools. And it's not really a sex ed class. It is an abstinence education class. And we go in and we speak to students about uh, remaining abstinent, the dangers of being involved in sexual activity uh, outside of marriage. We talk to them about HIV. We talk to them about STDs. We talk to them about all the dangers thereof. Uh, I look into these teenagers' eyes. There is confusion. We do not know what manhood is across the board in our country. We do not know what womanhood is. We have all of our own competing opinions. And whatever you want to believe is okay for you to believe. As long as you believe it sincerely, it's just as good as my belief. Folks, in fact, that is not true. If there is truth, the most loving thing we could do is to tell the truth. It does not matter what my opinion on manhood, womanhood, and marriage is. I'll go so far as to say it's not, it it really doesn't matter what Paul's opinion is. Because Paul would tell you that his opinion goes back to what God has said all the way into the garden. The most important opinion is God's. So over the rest of the summer, we're going to be looking at what God's opinion of manhood, womanhood, and marriage, the roles, the relationships thereof, and all the dynamics and all the things that, that go into that are. And we're not just doing it to have something to do. There's a great amount of confusion that is that is already begun, and it is trickling down uh, generation to generation, and it's infecting homes, it's infecting uh, our culture to a degree that it will it will forever damage our culture. Now, I have no I have no belief that we can reverse our culture and somehow come out with a Christian culture. That's not the goal. The goal is simply for you to know the truth so that in your marriages, you as a man, you as a woman, you know how God has designed you and what he's called you to be and to do and how he has called you to act in relationship to the opposite sex, etc. So listen, uh, you want a reason to invite your neighbors, your friends to church? Uh, give, them, give them this sermon series. Bring them. Uh, my wife and I heard of two couples um, just this week whose... Uh, whose parents, in their in their later years of marriage, two different ones, just this weekend actually, uh, thirty plus years of marriage, calling it quits, calling it quits. Uh, I have several friends. You have several friends in marriages. Uh, marriages are falling apart. Do we need this, man? We need this, man. We need this. One of the primary reasons we need this, and we'll deal with this in two weeks specifically, is because God has designed the gospel to be portrayed in the family in a way that we don't frankly grasp fully. And we've got to understand it. So we're not just going to go through this so that you can be a better man and she can be a better woman and you can have a better marriage so you're all happier. There is something greater at stake. Okay? So don't you miss this. I have two announcements and, uh, and then we're going to sing a final song and be dismissed. Um, Announcement number one. Your elders have asked me to stand here and officially announce to you that they would like to recognize and recommend to the body of Cornerstone a gentleman for the position of elder in our church. Now, we have four current elders. Uh, 
plus myself as pastor elder. We have four additional elders. And we have no quota as to when or how to add elders. Well, how, but not as to when. We are not sitting around in our elder meetings saying we've got to find another person to be elder. That's not how it works. The short way this works is that we keep our eyes open and we're sensitive to the Spirit. Is God raising up a man in our midst that would qualify as an elder? It's not our decision whether or not we're going to add an elder. It's God's decision. There's been a man in our church that God has continued to lay on our hearts for several months. And we've just been sitting on it and praying about it and asking God, is this, do we need to approach him? Do we need to approach his family and ask him to consider it? A couple months ago, we did that. The part of the process is that we go to this man and we say, you as a family with your wife and your children, you consider entering the process of becoming an elder. Doesn't mean you're going to be an elder. You just pray over for a month, entering the process of being an elder. Uh, We went to Wayne Jolly and we asked him to consider doing this. Many of you know Wayne. Wayne's not here this week or I would ask him to stand so you could at least put a face with a name. Uh, He'll be here next week and I'll have him uh, I'll have him stand up so you can see who he is. We asked Wayne Jolly over a month ago to do this very thing. He came back and said, I humbly uh, I humbly would like to entertain the idea of becoming an elder of this church. He felt led in that direction. The elders felt led in that direction. And so now he's in the process of going through, uh, are we all on the same page theologically? And uh, so we've done that with Wayne. And uh, now we bring him as a part of our bylaw process. We bring him to the body, and I give you now a 30-day notice. All right, and this is part of our official process. A 30-day notice before the body to say if there's any reason that you as a body know why Wayne Jolly should not be an elder of our church. And this is an important part of the process. This is the part where you wave the red flag and you say, listen, uh, there may be a reason why this man ought not to be an elder in this church. And the reason you would do that would be to protect this body. Okay? You don't do it with ill will. You do it to protect the body. You have that responsibility as a member of Cornerstone Church. You have that responsibility. And so for the next 30 days, you have the opportunity to email myself or any one of the other elders and express uh, any of your concerns for why Wayne Jolly might not be apt to serve as an elder based on the biblical qualifications of an elder. Okay? Now, let me add something to this. You cannot do this anonymously. All right? Sorry. Uh, You cannot send me an email and give me a list of reasons why Wayne Jolly cannot be an elder and not be willing to put your name on it. I'm sorry. That'd be nice if you could do that. But there's too much at stake for someone just to be able to send me an anonymous email of allegations that they're not willing to give me any sort of evidence or anything to. Does that make sense? All right. Okay. So you have a responsibility in the next 30 days to to share with us not just reasons why Wayne Jolly should not be an elder, but please send me emails, send the other elders emails, write us letters, send a note, whatever it is, communicate to us even the positive. Why should Wayne Jolly? Why would you recommend him? Why do you concur with the leading of the elders and the prompting of the Spirit in Wayne Jolly? All right? So you have officially now 30 days to do that. Be in prayer. Be in prayer over that process. Okay? Last announcement. Dee Pezzarezzi, who is here, many of you know Dee. Dee, stand up just just for a second. Uh, I told you I wasn't going to bring you up, but I do want you to stand up for just a second. Thank you. You may be seated. Uh, Dee, uh, many of you know. You know her well. She is a friend to many of you. She has been a trusted counselor to many of you, especially to many of you are women. Uh, For many months now, I've been asking, and Dee has been asking herself, uh, and independently, I've been wondering, Dee has a, a tremendous amount of giftedness and passion for ministry and the church and the body of Cornerstone. How, God, do you want her to plug in here? 
A few months back, Dee came to me and she says, I feel led by the Lord after much prayer to somehow help our church in women's ministry. I went back and prayed about it. I took it to the elders and they prayed about it. I went back to Dee and said, Dee, I, I concur with that. I've been looking for a way myself to, to best utilize your gifts. Uh, this makes perfect sense to me, although I feel we need to step it up another level. I actually would like to recommend you as a staff member of our church, as director of women's ministries of Cornerstone Church, meaning you'll be put on the website right under the other staff pictures and bios, etc. So this morning, I present to you Dee Pezzarezzi, and I recommend to you Dee Pezzarezzi as director of women's ministries for Cornerstone Church, officially as a staff member of our church. Now, let me add a bit to the process here. It's not required by our bylaws or our constitution, but we thought it might be wise. Okay, because you do know Dee, many of you have a history with her. We're going to give you not a 30 day response time. We're going to give you one week to respond to any elder or myself. Any reason you think that Dee should not serve in this capacity. All right. You have one week to do that as well. Again, no anonymous emails. Okay, and both good and bad. Please send us any reason why you would like to encourage Dee in this in this ministry. Okay. And so uh, we expect to receive no negative things, but we give you a week to do that. And if all goes well, in 30 days, we'll present Wayne Jolly to you here, and we will, uh, we will lay hands on him as elder of this church. And in one week, we will do the same. We will lay hands on Miss D and present her as director of women's ministries before our church. I'm very excited in both of these cases that God is moving in the hearts of our membership. He is raising men and women up to do things that we need done and to, and to connect dots that we need connected. Amen? Amen? All right. Why don't you stand with us? Uh, announcements are done. What are we going to sing, Preston? Hosanna. Let's sing Hosanna. And we'll depart. And we're going to bless the Lord this week. Amen?